Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about creativity, magic, tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I am so happy you are here today. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Moonbeaming. This is a podcast about cycles, about creativity, about magic, about lots of things. And I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner. I'm an artist, a writer, a witch living in Los Angeles, California, and I'm delighted, happy, honored, excited to be here with you today for another month. We're in another month. I can't believe it. We're in the second month of 2021, and what that means is there's another giveaway. So far, I've really enjoyed doing giveaways, so I'm going to keep doing them. That's usually how it goes. One of my sweetheart's sayings that really hasn't failed us has been, you know, do what feels good. Do what feels good. Of course, we do what feels good as long as it's responsible and it's not hurting anyone else. But yeah, giveaways, they feel good. So thank you for indulging my fairy godmother type inclinations. I love that feeling of the scratch off or ticket and you won $5. And I love that feeling of getting a little gift in the mail. So thanks for indulging me and keeping this energy going. So how we do the giveaway is they're open to every listener leaving this podcast, a five-star review. There are going to be three giveaways this month. I'm stoked about all of them. Two folks will receive a special package with candles that I've made and herbs from my garden and a book about witchcraft. Think of it like a little mostly handmade gift from my heart to yours, little carrier pigeon in the mail from me to you. And a third person is going to receive a free enrollment in my upcoming moonbeaming class. This class takes place in March. I haven't even announced it yet. It's not even live to the public. It's a class that I'll be speaking more about, so I'll save that all now, but I will say it's an awesome class, and I'm super excited to offer these three different items to all you gorgeous listeners. All you have to do is leave a five-star review sometime in the next three weeks telling us why you love the podcast. And if you've already left a review, you don't have to leave another one. My studio manager will randomly pick from every single person who has already left reviews because we love you. So this week for our tarot card of the week, I'm going to give everyone a suggestion to work with. Meditating with the archetypes 
are one of my favorite ways to work with the cards, specifically if I'm wanting to call something in or wanting to embody a kind of energy. And so as the moon is waning, the card suggestion for the week is the archetype of the high priestess. Now, the high priestess is an archetype about many things. One of the things this card resonates with is going within and reconnecting to one's intuition. A couple of episodes ago, I spoke about the Hierophant, which is our card of the year, and I do believe there is a connection between these two cards. If the Hierophant upholds traditions, then the High Priestess is the matter of the energy and the impulses and the knowledge that creates them. The High Priestess has a tie to so many myths and so many deities, of course. One of the most or more traditional ones is Persephone. Persephone, who, depending on the story, either goes willingly down into the underworld or is kidnapped, which, of course, connects us to the Hierophant again, as the Hierophant was a guide to the rituals and the mysteries that honored Persephone's mother, Demeter. I'm not, I'm going to shelve the Anana connection as well, uh, but there is, of course, this earlier connection to Inanna. Yet another deity that the high priestess correlates with is Hecate, who at one time was a deity of the underworld and now is more frequently associated with magic, liminal states, and crossroads. And the reason why I'm bringing up focusing on this archetype and this energy this week are for a few reasons. This week, the moon is waning, and this is often a beautiful time to be quiet with ourselves, to enjoy ourselves in stillness to listen to our inner world, to let our subconscious or our wise parts speak up, to check out and see what wants to come forward after we've let these openings of stillness and calmness sink in. The other reason is we're in this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere, that tends to correlate with just after the new moon if we're working or honoring the solstice as being a new moon time of planting seeds. However, the sky is mostly still gray, the ground is mostly still hard. Some answers or visions or directions of what to do next may seem far away. Some of these answers can come forth when we meditate with the high priestess. Embodying the high priestess is useful when we feel like we need answers because this is an archetype that lets us know that number one, it's okay not to know. 
And two, when we accept that we don't always have to know, that we can be in transitional or more instinctual states, that we can feel, not just analyze, that creates an opening or a softness that ends up creating guidance. So this week, maybe try to feel or intuit your way through and trust in yourself and trust in clarity that comes from within. I also briefly want to talk about High Priestess as being a container of what we need to do before receiving an answer. So often we want tangible to-dos or answers or direction, and sometimes we just are not supposed to know. Sometimes not knowing is the point, and often the High Priestess will step through to give us information about what we can do to sort of prime ourselves for the next steps that will come only after we accept being in this space of liminality, this time of allowing ourselves to engage in the mystery. Sometimes I think of the high priestess as being like the prologue in the book of your life or in a certain chapter you're in. And this often happens in our magical practices as well. The high priestess, of course, can be thought of as this archetype of the witch. And in order to create effective and long-lasting magic, we often have to get underneath our ask maybe even a few levels and layers deep, which is where the high priestess is comfortable residing. Maybe we don't have to cast a spell for something external. Maybe we need to cast a spell for letting in help or for ease or grace or connection. And then, of course, what also happens is more reflection around what's going on in our subconscious, which is what the high priestess is also often associated with. So can you be open to floating in the unknown? Can you be open to allowing your intuition to offer up messages that resonate? Can you trust yourself? a little more this week. How can you do this? What would that feel like? I'm also sharing a little bit about High Priestess because I've been preparing an upcoming workshop that is this coming Sunday on February 7th. It's called Honoring the Dark Moon. And I've been tuning into the complexities of the high priestess as this is one of the archetypes that are affiliated with the dark moon and there are so many similarities in these archetypes. And so this week I wanted to share a few thoughts about the dark moon and how this lunar phase can help reflect us back to ourselves 
as well as facilitate new beginnings. So what is the dark moon anyway? The dark moon is when the moon is just behind the sun in its orbit, so we can't see it. And my practice, which stems from traditional Jewish practices, the dark moon is observed during the astronomical and astrological new moon. Why? Because in my tradition, when you could see the moon, it was the new moon. And Jewish folks even have a minor holiday for it called Rosh Hadosh, and that's normally one to two days after the astronomical and astrological new moon. Now, the dark moon is usually observed as being a time period of three days at the end of a lunar cycle. This is the space where we make peace with the lunar cycle and all that has transpired during it. The dark moon is this space of closure. It's where we close loops. It's where we cut cords that need to be cut, ends what needs to end, and it is this both and. It is this real potent site of both acknowledging the past destroying what needs to be destroyed, taking what we need to take with us, and growing the seeds of our next phase, growing the seeds of another world. We've gone through a lot. We've changed. We've transformed from our journey. And one can't have the same dreams or goals or ideas of who you are before It's this before and after. There's no way you can stay the same after we've gone through growth, we've gone through different ways of being, different ways of seeing. So it is this sight and this space of transformation, aka composting, aka ugly cries, aka healing, aka integration and rest, aka visioning. And because these are complex, shifting, deeply personal, and often messy themes and energies and states of being, I also find that this phase is often a more nebulous one to be in and work with. This is a space of ego death of surrender and reclamation. It can often be a space where we connect with deep wisdom and a sense of ourselves that is more expansive, more spiritual, and less attached to outcome or the material, which then can create unlimited possibilities. Because it is the end of the so-called lunar road, although we know it's not a linear thing. We know it's not a linear thing. It's like a spiral thing. The the lunar road. The lunar road is like this cosmic spiral staircase, right? But because we're sort of at the end of a phase, a cycle, 
it also is this space of integration, even as it is a space of liminality and crossroads, both and. And the dark moon addresses this really interesting facet of human beingness. That's just what I'm going to call human beingness, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're just so human sometimes, us human beings. I have a hat. It says, uh, hu- what does it say? Human being human? Yeah, I think that's what it says. So it's this human beingness, which is, you know, as we grow and we change and learn and evolve and heal, so does our identity, what we want to do with our time, who we want to be with, what our magic looks like, our gifts, our desires, our interests, all of these evolve and change as well as our understanding of the world and our place in it. And there's this tension in this site. There's often a tension inherent in this evolution and change because, of course, there are ways that our brains are wired for safety. And because we are often taught, and it is often underscored, that our livelihood is based upon us staying the same, doing the same thing, having the same identity. And a lot of our relationships have unspoken agreements that rely upon us being a certain kind of person and acting a certain kind of way. And so when we do emerge into different aspects of our soul or ourself. And when we do explore these different ways of being, when we rewrite or renegotiate certain relationships or the certain terms of our lives or our engagement, that can be really activating to other people. Not everyone, of course, but some folks and sometimes for us as well, right? It's hard. Like I think of it, you know, I think about it for me, like coming out, realizing I was queer or reclaiming certain aspects of myself, like coming out more as a witch or I'm right now really exploring the aspects and components of Judaism within my spiritual practice. And it can sometimes create this domino effect around other aspects of our lives that can be disorienting. So then it we get activated, you know, as our identity shapeshifts, as we need different things, as we're in process with what we need or who we are understanding ourselves to be, this can bring up intense stuff, right? Spiritual crises, no big deal. Like awakenings, activations, ego deaths, no big deal. It's a lot. It can be a lot. But there's this beautiful lesson of the dark moon, which is this reminder that we are always changing and we are always groundless, right? There is not always ground underneath us. And within that lies one of the more important practices, I believe, 
we must experience and create for ourselves as humans, as human beings, being humans, human beingness, which is that comfortableness with uncomfortableness, the compassion and grace with ourselves as we experience states of unknown on many different levels. Because, of course, eventually, out of the unknown comes the known. Out of the dark comes new beginnings. This is where we sometimes receive messages and insights and visions. This is a space where we come up with completely different ideas about what is possible. This is the void, babes. This is the void. The space of innovative solutions because we can start to see beyond. For example, in this phase, the moon is hiding. The moon is dying. The moon is shedding. So we can see stars more easily or we can maybe feel and experience ourselves more easily. Like in the archetype of the high priestess, in the silence, original ideas can bubble up and come forth from the deep, deep depths of our inner wells. So personally, I collaborate with the lunar phases in different ways. The first is really, duh. It's real time. Easy. That's the most traditional way. At the dark moon, one might cast a spell that correlates to that time or enact a ritual that facilitates shedding. One could reflect on all that came up since the last dark moon one could rest, clear, etc. The other way I collaborate with the lunar phases is this concept that I teach, which is this idea that us humans are often in one particular phase that correlates with a lunar phase for longer periods of time. Lunar phases, of course, correlates to cycles of nature, which is what our natural cycles, our hormones, our states of being, of course, also reflect, echo, and mimic. So, for example, you could be in a new moon phase for, let's just say, eight months or maybe just a couple of months based on where you are at energetically, literally in your life and in your personal evolution cycle. I want to be really clear here and differentiate what I'm talking about from progressed lunations in astrology. That is a whole thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a much more organic phase that we are tuning into based on what's going on energetically, literally what's going on in your life and in your personal evolution cycle. 
your personal evolutionary phase. And these tend to unfold naturally based on what's going on internally and externally. And these phases often organically will just flow into the next one. Although sometimes one can be prompted into a phase by external events happening. And the dark moon correlates with, as I've said before, ego deaths, near-death experiences, spiritual awakenings via disorienting things happening or spiritual crises or what sometimes folks refer to as healing crises, endings of all kinds like breakups or loss, shifts of identity, awakenings that also facilitate innovation, pivots, transitions, breakthroughs, uncoverings. We are in a dark moon phase when we've outgrown ourselves and aspects of our lives. It's that space where we've been doing things in one way for a long time and we are sure ready to do something else or do things in different ways. And before we get to that next phase, before we get to that new moon phase, we need to sit in this energy of the dark moon, this void, where one parses out what needs to be sacrificed in order to move on. This is also where we are free to envision and imagine unencumbered by the past, unencumbered by expectations or projections or by obligation. It is the space of freedom. And the last way that I tend to collaborate with lunar phases are as archetypes. We can call them in. We can explore them as a means for healing, self-reflection, and magic, not based in a linear fashion, not based upon where the moon is right now, not based upon what your lunar progression is or what lunar phase you are in in your lives. But just because, because we can, why the F not? And this is really similar to working with a particular tarot card for an extended period of time. Or if you work with a card of the year, this process can be similar. For those of you who devote yourselves to a deity for an extended period of time, this practice can look similar. The dark moon is a powerful archetype to call in when you are ready for transformation and diving deep in order to facilitate another chapter. It's when we're ready to shed, when we're ready to uncover who we can be what our soul is really asking of us. And also, the dark moon is this unseen and unknown. 
an often shamed, silenced, or a punished aspect of ourselves. You know, friends, it's getting better in my long time here on earth. It's gotten better in society and what we let come forth and what we let unfurl and what we talk about. But there are so much more potentials for being more open to discuss all that falls in the realm of the dark moon. These are more forbidden subjects. I don't personally think they need to be forbidden, but society deems them such because they are often gateways to awakening. They're often gateways to freedom. Subjects like death, sex, queerness, kink, unruliness. It's aspects of the subconscious, the unconscious, and the shadow. I also want to call out more mind-melting ideas like in the realm of simulations or quantum physics. There are these concepts that tend to be a little dark moon, like Bitcoin or defund the police or the idea of a universal basic income going green with solar power or wind power or alternative forms of energy because it's forbidden and the powers that be don't always want to explore it this can be a dark moon concept even though like um hello it shouldn't be at all and Under the umbrella of the dark moon are these more forbidden and intense emotions like rage, shame, anger, lust, feminine power and sexuality, queer power and sexuality, the power of marginalized groups. There's these ideas of vengeance, vulnerability, grief, you know, because Often it is in feeling those emotions and letting those emotions give us wisdom and insight that often is what spurs us onto our next idea, our next innovation, our next phase. I always say often anger can be deeply clarifying. Because anger is this voice of reason. It lets us know that our boundaries are being crossed, that something isn't okay. And it's often this gateway into vulnerability, grief, sorrow, sometimes shame. These feelings and states that must be explored if we are to really enter into states of unconditional love. And also, all these subjects and emotions of the forbidden or of the perverse are what catalyzes us into our next iteration. It is in this process of exploring that which we've kept separate from ourselves 
or that we've been like a little bit afraid of because maybe these things that we are a little bit afraid of are a lot a bit powerful and are a lot a bit earth shattering and are greatly paradigm shifting that partially we know that it can be a kind of reverse Pandora's box into liberation. The archetype of the dark moon could correspond to, say, the 12th house in astrology. It corresponds to obsidian, to snakeskin that we find in the forest, to witches, death doulas, science fiction writers, and really visionaries and trailblazers of all kinds. Because often when someone or something is ahead of its time, especially when there is that power, there is that uncomfortableness, there is that complexity, it often is not completely understood or accepted and can be shunned because it invokes fear. It all goes back to that activation, or it invokes very divisive reactions, like it invokes real excitement and pleasure. The dark moon is this archetype of the visionary, the psychic, the artist, and everyone who can see in the dark. is it important to understand this phase, this energy, this archetype? Everyone alive is going to go through periods of the dark moon. And I think similar to having more open conversations about traditionally uncomfortable subjects like capitalism, grief, sex, rage, death, etc., 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 the more comfortable we become with situating ourselves in a space of authentic and right relationship with these universal themes and experiences. Because just because we don't want to talk about it doesn't mean we're not going through it. Just because, just because we don't often see reflections of these processes doesn't mean that it isn't so fulfilling once we move through these and we can glean the gifts of them. You know, I think what just popped into my mind that I wanted to share, as some of you have seen this show, there's definitely content warning. It's this show called I May Destroy You, and it's kind of meta- dark moon because it's absolutely an experience of someone going through, being put into a dark moon phase through sort of external uh, circumstance. And also the series itself 
is Dark Moon because it's so groundbreaking. It is like no other. It is totally original. And again, it's difficult. It's difficult if you're a survivor. I'm a survivor. It can be difficult to watch as these, um, as media around these circumstances are, but it really is sort of this thing that just popped up as being a dark moon uh, kind of art form. And, you know, often we don't examine these subjects. We don't often make big pivots or big changes unless we are in a state of crisis, unless we're forced to. And I don't think we should reserve pivots and changes only for when we are in crises. I think remaining open and curious around the fact that our identities are flexible and are in multitudes. They're not just one. They're not monoliths. We contain multitudes. That's what the, that's what the uh, slogan says. And I think understanding that our needs are going to change and that maybe other people in our lives' needs are going to change. Other people in our lives' identities are going to evolve and expand and shapeshift. It helps us to live a life of more compassion, more flow, more softness when times are harder or rougher. And of course, the dark moon is the site of the death of the ego or ego dismantlement. That, in my humble opinion, is a key to living an authentic life. Because, let's face it, all of us are going to dismantle and shed behaviors and attachments that don't serve us. All of us are going to have our egos undergo some dismantling. We're going to be humbled. Sometimes we're going to choose consciously to do some shedding. So becoming more comfortable with these states of being and these concepts and taking the time to maybe do some of this shedding work Maybe not every single dark moon because, whoa, that would be a little intense, but often enough that we can benefit from the gifts of a process of non-identification, of sacrifice, of letting go enough that we aren't so afraid of failure, disappointment, endings breakups, that we can hold our own hands as we are in these harder spaces. Because these harder spaces are just going to be parts of every human being's life. And we can change the way we view them and interact with them. You know, a lot of people say it was through a a breakdown or it was through a huge loss that they were able to reorient themselves in a more authentic and in a more aligned direction. And I think we need to 
really work on our impulse to assign bad or good to various states of being. I'm not saying these states aren't painful or uncomfortable. They are. And also, unfortunately, it is often in these states of uncomfortableness that we connect to our wisest self. We connect to being able to be truly vulnerable. And of course, that vulnerability ends up connecting us in deeper ways to other people, to myths, to community, to ourselves, to our loved ones. I don't want to be all doom and gloom here. I want to I want to be a dark moon propagandist, not really. But I want to I want to let's just let's celebrate her. You know, the dark moon is where we connect to our wildness and our weirdness. I think about edge walkers, like incredible queer thinkers or philosophers that have changed how I've thought about everything. People like Judith Butler or Kate Bornstein. You know, the dark moon is how we dance like no one's looking. It's how we might live our lives if we never worried about being punished or shamed or shunned or rejected. It is where we might go and what we might do. It is a place where we can access the truth of who we need to be for ourselves and fulfill our soul's purpose, messiness, wildness, weirdness, and all. It is this space of freedom if we want to go there. And, you know, especially right now with the pandemic, with the state of the planet, with all of this upheaval, I believe so many folks, so many folks are going through a dark moon time, a dark moon phase, whether they understand this or not. There is so much grief that hasn't been given space to properly be acknowledged. There's so much trauma and loss. And there are so many folks saying, I'm not the same person as I was. I don't want the same things. I want something different. I want something more meaningful. I want something more fun. I want something more pleasurable. I want my life to reflect these different values. And maybe we all don't yet know exactly what those things are. But I do know that there are so many that want to dream and vision different futures. And so because we may be in this collective dark moon time, this means we can have these conversations that are more truthful or more uncomfortable. It means we can be vulnerable with ourselves and one another, and we can witness one another, and we can continue to grow and shift in ways that honor 
our truths and the unique messages that are coming through for us. And we can try to make space for different visions as we also process all that we have learned. So if some of this resonates with you and you feel like you might be in a dark moon phase, honor it. You know, we always want to give ourselves compassion, care, tenderness, non-judgment. So give yourself that. Let yourself be. You know, feel it. Accept where you are. Understand it's temporary. It's temporary. And understand it probably won't shift into being something else until you make peace with it. And until you can get a little more comfortable with being in the unknown. You know, and for some folks, this archetype and this energy might be one that you're already really intimate with. Like, I was born under a dark moon. So this is a real familiar place for me. You know, like, I've had many spiritual crises. C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-C-
And if all of this is getting you jazzed about my longer class, about collaborating with the lunar archetypes, it's called Moonbeaming. It's taking place in March. And if you want to find out when it is open for enrollment, you can hop on my mailing list. Okay, my babes, thank you so much for listening, for reviewing, for telling a friend, for sharing on social media, and for all around being so darn amazing. Until soon, I'm sending everyone blessings, protection, insight, and a lot of love. Bye. You are listening to Moonbeaming, a podcast that is presented by Modern Women. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner. The editor is Caitlin George Parker. Music is by Will Owen and myself. All right. Bye. Which is in the brown year, do you